Sponsoring the show this week is Brendan and the team at Put a Sock on It. Yeah, that's what she said. Tell you what, satisfy your sock game with designer socks that are Australian designed and inspired. Be ready for any and every occasion. I'm talking about www.putasockonit.store. And uh, you go through that website right now. I mean, you can get Rick and Morty socks. You can get Blazing It Up socks. Yeah, bamboo. Uh, you can also get cold beer and tasty uh, burgers as well. I mean, I'm a horror fan, so I was very interested and excited to see I could get horror socks. I've got a pinhead pair with me right now and my missus. She absolutely loves Dash Hounds. And guess what? They have a pair of socks with Dash Hounds on them. I think there's everything here for uh, any sock lover or people who just like quirky socks. Please do check them out. It is Put A Sock On It. That name again of the store is www.put a sock on it dot store. They're also on Instagram at socking underscore it. Yeah, so S O C K I N underscore it. And of course on Facebook at put a sock on it. And for a limited time only, if you use the code source50, so that's source like tomato sauce, so S A U C E 50, on any order of two pairs of socks or more, get 50% off until Saturday, the 4th of July. That is Put A Sock On It. Go check it out on their website, www.putasockonit.store. Wrestling Source Radio. You're listening to... What's the name of this show? Promotional consideration paid for by the following. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Wrestling Source Radio. Rep screwed. Rest. This is hold one, Andre. I did it for the rock. Bischoff, you turn the camera off, and I'll be naked when you come back. Yahtzee, you're welcome. Go ahead, one, two, three, count the Wrestling Source Radio. My next guest, he is the man who's responsible for me buying the Misfits Famous Monsters album as a 12-year-old. He's a journeyman of professional wrestling, and in my top five to sit down and have a beer with, it's a big hello and welcome to Vampiro. Hey, how are you, brother? Thank you for having me on your show. No, thanks for joining me. It's greatly appreciated. I guess just uh, ask, how are you going there? You're currently in Canada at the moment. Uh, we're in crazy times with COVID. How are you holding up? small town in Canada where I was originally born um, kind of in the middle of nowhere and it's easy here I mean blue skies green grass all that you know there's been maybe I don't know 12 cases in total but I mean the rest of the world is falling apart you know I live in Las Vegas and Los Angeles so when this all started I had to get out of there ASAP the government called us home and, uh, you know, my friends down there are telling me it's brutal, but uh, I don't see any of it up here. I'm just watching the news and seeing how stupid people are. But other than that, you know, it's all good. And I guess most of your fans will know that you're uh, battling uh, Alzheimer's from, you know, concussions as a professional wrestler. Uh, how are you holding up with all that? Real well. I, I was real sick for a lot of years. And I didn't, and nobody can, nobody diagnosed me correctly. So for about 12 years, I was suffering, and it was just getting worse and worse and worse. And I had a stroke uh, because of it, and it was, ju it was just so to the point where I, I really didn't think I was going to survive very much longer. 
they were filling me with so many drugs that I, I got up to 360 pounds and uh, it was just horrible. It was, it was it was the worst time of my life. But I was blessed. Uh, I had great people who cared about me, who helped me, and I, I, I moved from Mexico to Las Vegas to receive the correct treatment after being diagnosed correctly. And because there's so many boxers and fighters that come and go and live in Las Vegas, the, the, the treatments are a little bit more alternative and advanced. And I just started doing that. I'm actually beating it. And I feel great. It's, it, I feel healthy as hell. And it's real good, man. It was real scary. That's one of the reasons I'm continuing with wrestling. It's not so much because I want to be in the ring. Um, that sucks because it hurts. But uh, I, I want to get out there and meet as many people as I can. And I also want to be a role model for anybody who's suffering any kind of mental health issues. And they're being told that they can't follow their dreams or live their lives as a normal human being. And I was like, fuck that. You know, I have this opportunity to beat this disease, to show people you can still do what you want and have a great life. That's what I'm doing. Absolutely. It's a great story and it's, it's a great message and it's great to hear that you're doing well. And I have to uh, wish you a happy birthday. I think it was three or two weeks ago, uh, 53 years old. Happy birthday. Yeah. Thank you very much. Yeah, 53. Goddamn. I just graduated university online and got my degree in psychology, business, playing in a band, uh, playing punk rock at 53, having a blast. I love life, man. Life is good. You said on one of your live uh, Facebook videos that uh, you do quite regularly to interact with your fans that uh, you're looking to head back down to Mexico for some projects? I, I mean, I do a lot of social work, you know. Vampiro in Mexico is different. It's hard to explain. There's, there's a big story behind Vampiro in Mexico, and there's a lot of fame around the character. Not so much for wrestling, but everything else that I do with television and movies and I'm an advocate for, you know, people getting out of jail, getting off drugs, getting out of gangs and things like that. So I do a lot of social work. I, I, my band is, there's a, a lot of people that want my band to play in Mexico. Wrestling, is, of course, is there. Uh, my movie debuted there. So I, I, there's a lot of things that I, you know, I lived there for 38 years, so there's a huge history. But I'm doing things, you know, I'm going on a North American tour for the next two years. I want to get over to Europe. I want to go back to Japan. I'm hoping to, to get to, to Australia. I've never been, uh, but not just as a wrestler. Of course, uh, my big thing in life right now that I'm doing is, is professional public speaking. So I have two shows that I'm, I'm going to launch this year. Um, I, I got, I'm doing another movie right now. I got two new action figures coming out. I got a graphic novel coming out. There's a lot of things going on right now for me, and I'm very excited about it. So I want to take it on the road, and I'm hoping that uh, the Australian fans understand that I've always wanted to come and spend some time in Australia, but your promoters are lazy and cheap and they won't bring me the motherfuckers. So I'm hoping, uh, and I'm saying that with love, I'm hoping the Australian fans know that I'm dying to get there and it would be magical for me if it could happen. Absolutely, and I was at the end of the interview, I was going to uh, give you the floor to cut a promo on why promoters should bring you to Australia. We'll get to that uh, very soon. But speaking of one of your projects, uh, your documentary, Nail in the Coffin, The Rise and Fall of Vampiro, I should say the award-winning documentary. Uh, it won a jury award uh, for best editing at the 2020 Canadian Film Festival, so congratulations on that. Thank you. 
And where can the punters find this uh, this movie, this documentary? Is it, is it a limit release thing, or where can they find it? Uh, it's still doing the festival circuit, and there's a release. There's an American release date. It's going to have a theater run over here. There's going to be a theater run in Canada and Mexico. So I'm assuming once that happens, there's European distribution as well. I don't know much about it, and I can't say anything about it because I'm not allowed to. But it's it's on its way. I know that uh, the COVID thing really slowed it down because uh, it was supposed to uh, uh, have a theater run already, but you know everything's closed, so they kind of scaled back on it. It's doing really well. It's a great movie. It's it's got nothing really to do with wrestling. It's more like it's a story of a guy who who is Vampiro, and he's also a father to a single dad to a teenage girl, and the girl really doesn't know. My daughter, she doesn't really know much about my career, so it's kind of that what's going on and me being sick and explaining to her why I'm sick and things like that. So it's kind of a, a tearjerker, you know what I mean? Absolutely. And I know, I think this is probably the one of the second sort of documentary or that type of style of film that's been made about you. And I, and I personally believe it's because you've got such an interesting story, uh, not that of any kind of professional wrestler sort of has. And I want to go back in time if we can. I believe you were a bodyguard for Millie Vanilli. I mean... Were you already an established wrestler at this time? I mean, how did you become a bodyguard for this uh, pop duo that would, you know, win awards and then eventually be uh, called out to be a sham? You mean like everybody else in pro wrestling? What the hell did I just say? Um, I was a uh, uh, bodyguard working security in nightclubs, playing in bands uh, when I, in my teenage years. And I was working as – I wasn't wrestling at all. I was working – at a nightclub in Los Angeles, in Hollywood, actually. The manager of their group saw me. I uh, was impressed with the way I was doing my job and the way I looked, I guess, and offered me this job to to babysit these two guys, and it kind of just went from there. That's how that happened. I was 18 years old, and I toured the world. You know, it was the most popular group on the planet. And nothing wrong with that. It was an amazing experience, because whether or not, if you... If you can be smart enough to get past the scandal, mm. whether you like it or not, they really meant a lot to a lot of people. And that was my education for Vampiro, was because I saw what you should and shouldn't do if you become uber famous and how you should react and treat people and understand that none of it's real. It comes to an end there's always the next big thing. So you've got to be understanding about that. You've got to treat it with that level of respect. And again, it was an amazing opportunity to get an education like that because I saw the good and evil of of show business at every level. And it really, really, really was an eye opener. So when I became Vampiro, which was kind of a overnight fluke sensation, I certainly knew how to adapt to the scenario quite quickly so i really learned a lot working with millie vanilli you're obviously musically inclined an athlete i believe that you turned down a playing uh, playing hockey in canada music and wrestling they go together like peanut butter and jelly was that the best of both worlds you could kind of be a rock star as a wrestler but you could also be an athlete yeah yeah i was um, i was supposed to play professional hockey i was drafted i had all those things going for me but I just got to the point where it was boring for me. And at that age in my life, I was 
easily influenced by by things that were a little bit more dangerous or you know you got to remember this is pre-mtv this is you know there weren't even bank cards back then so when i first you know saw the sex pistols and the clash and the ramones and the stray cats and all these bands i was like that's exactly what i want to do where i belong i understand it um the, the you know the rebelliousness of it the look but I also didn't want to give up my gifts that I was given as an athlete. So uh, I couldn't find guys in my hometown to commit to playing in a band. I thought the best way to, to do the best of both worlds was to become a wrestler. So yeah, that's exactly why and that's how it happened. Speaking of rock stars and wrestling, uh, when are you and Chris Jericho going to break bread? Would you say there's a uh, not a not a professional sort of rivalry, but you know both both Canadian guys, uh, wrestlers into music, and there was a I guess a bit of a rivalry when you guys were younger. That's I guess existent to this date. I mean, you've said in past uh, interviews, you know, um, you'd love to work with him in some capacity. How about uh, instead of maybe a wrestling match, you can have a rock off your band versus Fozzy, perhaps? Because. My band would fucking kill Fozzie, that's why. Um, I would never do anything. I would, no, all seriousness aside, I would never do that. I don't play music to compete with anybody. I, I, I'm into hardcore, into punk rock. I grew up with that. Some of my friends died in clubs, fighting, playing, getting beaten by the police. I, I, I take music extremely seriously. I would never insult another musician or even do a bullshit story like that, like Battle of the Bands kind of thing. Like, I could give a fuck. I wish Chris Jericho and his band all the success in the world. I think he deserves it. I, I, if he gets it, that's awesome. Anytime that anybody makes it in life, that's great. And as long as he's a positive role model for somebody, who am I to even comment on his success? There was no rivalry between me and Chris Jericho. You gotta, this, is, this is what I don't understand about his comments. And uh, I've got nothing but respect for Chris. I wanted to work with Chris because I thought it makes sense for all the reasons you just said. But he doesn't want to do it, and that's cool. I don't really, I'm not dying to do it, you know what I'm saying? I don't need to do it. I just thought it would be cool and good business. When I was in Mexico at my peak, Vampiro was, it was very Beatlemania. It was very Justin Bieber. It was very, you know, it was nothing but teenage girls going out of their mind. Uh, and Chris Jericho just got to Mexico, so it was kind of like, you know, there was <laughs> there was no comparison. You know, I, I wasn't better than him. I wasn't more. I was way more established than him, and I was there for years. And the Vampiro character was was uh, on fire at that moment. There was no. There's you can't say there was a rivalry because. It's just different levels of success and different levels of, of uh, perception and impact on the public. There, there was no comparison. You can't, it's, it was kind of like, uh, yeah, I don't even want to say it because I'm sure he'll hear it and then there'll be another scandal. So I, there was no jealousy or animosity on my part. I was playing in bands down there and you know he would come to my apartment and say like, why are you playing in a band? Your, your job is pro wrestling. And I was like, dude, fuck that. I'm a musician before a wrestler. Well. <laughs> what can I tell you? I wonder where he got that idea from. So uh, I wish Chris Jericho the best of success. I think he's phenomenal. I think that anybody who's coming up in the wrestling industry today should use him as a template 
to understand that you need to have more than one stream of income to reach that level of success. But uh, as far as a comparison or any bad feelings on my part, I can't stress to you how much it means absolutely nothing to me. I don't give a shit. I don't lose sleep over it. I don't think about it. I don't give a fuck. <laughs> so if it happened and it, there was business and we we really, really did great work and created something, that would be amazing. But do I stress out over it? And do I say, oh my God, I wish I had that opportunity? Obviously not. It doesn't mean that much to me. It's not an insult to Chris at all. I just want to be real clear that I don't sit here and bang my head on the wall hoping I can get that opportunity. I don't give a fuck is basically what I'm trying to say. No, absolutely. I mean, even just uh, even you know, just in a private room, a handshake or a, a, a reconciliation of sorts. I think that would be uh, quite amazing. I don't know. Maybe I'm a bit. I'm getting a bit softer in my older age, and just sort of saying no, things like that. Have to be one. There's, there's no. There's no animosity. There's no problem. If he has a problem, I don't know about it. I even went out of my way to apologize, and I don't even know what the fuck I'm apologizing for. I'm like, yo, if there's something that I did or said. 30 years ago that you're still upset about, holy shit, I don't know what that could be, but, uh, you know, I'm sorry. And he said in his book or something that I'm a dick, I said, okay, well, whatever it is that I did that upset you that much, I don't know, I don't remember, I don't think I did it on purpose, because I'm not that kind of guy, but whatever it is, holy shit, man, I'm fucking sorry, dude. You know what I mean? Move on, let it go. So, uh, again, I wish him the best. I've got nothing bad to say. I don't know what the problem is, and I don't really care. But I did apologize, and I'll apologize again. If this ever gets back to him, I'm still sorry for whatever the fuck it is. But I don't know what it is. But I mean, come on, dude. You're a multimillionaire. You're extremely successful. Do you really give a shit about a fat old man like me? You know what I'm saying? I think it's more the dirt sheets and probably people like myself prolonging it. So I'm going, I'm going to apologize about potentially prolonging something that's not there. But I did like the comment you made uh, that you were the Justin Bieber of Mexico. Can we perhaps get that in your Twitter bio? Oh, yeah, yeah. I'll get that tattooed on my arm tonight. I never said I was the Justin Bieber of Mexico, you bastard. I said that it was a Justin Bieber-type moment, you motherfucker. <laughs> I think it's got a good ring to it, Vamp. Uh, I think it's got a great uh, ring to it. But I guess Beatlemania-esque in Mexico, I guess that all changes when you come to WCW in 1998. Um, you made your debut in 98, but then not really seen again until 99. We heard lots of stories about WCW being pretty frivolous with money. Were you basically just getting paid to sit at home? Um, I, I had the weirdest experience in WCW. I was blessed to work with Ric Flair and to work with Sting and to work with Hulk Hogan and Lex Luger. You know, I was, I was blessed to have the opportunity to be in the mix. But the office politics and the drug use and the bullshit was... was well, it made people commit suicide. It was a horrible, horrible, horrible place to be. Uh, in my point of view, I didn't enjoy it at all. I enjoyed the fans. Yeah, I didn't enjoy it. I don't have anything good to say about WCW. Not a thing. Not even uh, your good pals ICP, Insane Clown Posse? I'm not sure. What do you mean? 
My first experience of uh, Van Piro was seeing you team up with the Insane Clown Posse at Fall Brawl. Uh, I think you were taking on Conan, Eddie Guerrero, Rey Mysterio. And I just thought, like, I've never seen anyone like you before. And I was like, wow, who, who is this guy? And, you know, he's with these crazy guys dressed up in clown makeup. And I guess as a young 12-year-old, it, it left a, a bit of an impression on me. You guys hit it off from the get-go. Oh, yeah. I just saw them uh, about a two weeks before this virus bullshit hit uh we met up in la they're brothers uh for life it was in the wrestling purest point of view it was a horrible thing but to me it was awesome i love them i think what they've done on the underground is amazing it reminds me very much of the sex pistols uh, as far as causing hysteria and pushing buttons and all that kind of stuff. And it was fucking cool. I mean, I got to, to be with people from my world, which is the music world, on a wrestling show. I just loved it. I thought it was great. Good times. And I guess that's a theme that kind of followed through your WCW run. Uh, another sort of band that you would introduce to WCW or vice versa was the, the Misfits. And... I mentioned at the top of the interview that I basically bought the famous uh, famous Monsters album from the Misfits because it had your WCW theme song, uh, Kong at the Gates, uh, which I absolutely love as a, yeah. I loved as a kid. And I heard you said stories in the past that Jerry Only, he basically was writing storylines to the WCW creative. I've heard in an interview that Glenn Denzig, the original Misfits singer, he wanted to be a wrestler, but uh, he, he felt he was too small. Was was Jerry only? Was he trying to become a wrestler? Jerry's a different kind of guy. People can easily take him the wrong way. I don't know anything about the Misfits business or their personal stuff, and I don't want to. You know what I'm saying? I don't want to get involved in that. It wasn't good at that time. You know, a lot of things were going on in the band. There was a lot of things backstage. I think Jerry didn't understand that all these people from that part of the United States in that industry didn't care about rock and roll, let alone punk rock, let alone the misfits. So it was difficult for those kind of guys who were older and were wrestling minded only uh, and had no clue about the explosion of punk rock at that time. Uh, I think it was difficult for him and them to understand each other. And he just took it upon himself to try to uh, convince them to let him be more in control and do more and be a wrestler and all that kind of stuff. And I think it eventually rubbed them the wrong way. I mean, they basically told me they were going to fire me if I didn't calm him down. I'm like, well, why are you going to fire me? You guys hired him. You know what I mean? So once that happened, uh, things started falling apart. There's a couple other things that happened behind the scenes. And I, I think it got to the point where he just rubbed people the wrong way, and that was it. If you could fantasy book, um, I know they're very much uh, the, the misfits that done reunion concerts. I think they like to do them on Halloween uh, with the Glenn Denzig, uh, I guess, incarnation of the misfits. But if you had to book a fantasy match, Jerry Only v. Danzig, uh, how would that go down? Oh, I would never book that. I wouldn't want to be responsible for that fucking train wreck. <laughs> <laughs> One of the other things to come out of the Misfits and WCW was uh, Doyle and uh, Gorgeous George becoming an item. Yeah, that was part of the problem. It just, it, it happened. 
It mm. just happened in an instant. It happened in front of everybody. And, uh, you know, I, I got along with her. I got along with Doyle. I was friends with Macho Man. It was a very uncomfortable, I was friends with Doyle's wife. It was an unexpected, uncomfortable situation. But I'm, I'm nobody to point fingers. I'm nobody to opinionate on anything like that. You know, when people fall in love, strange things happen. It was love at first sight for those two. And uh, that was another reason, you know, the band kind of went sour. And then WCW obviously was finished on the spot because of that. So I got shelved again. And uh, yeah, that was it. Someone else who uh, absolutely fell in love with you when um, they met you, uh, according to uh, yourself, uh, Sting. Um, you guys had a great rivalry in WCW, but when you met the man, it didn't go quite so well from all reports. I'm not sure what the reports are, but, it, it, you know, uh, they weren't very friendly to me when they first met me. Uh, you know, I had a little bit of problems with, you know, with Conan from Mexico, two young guys with that much power and that much fame and egos and everybody eating away at us. So there was... Conan was in WCW for like a year before I got there, so he made sure that everybody knew that I was the devil, and uh, I wasn't received very warmly, let's just say that. Mm. It took me about a year to win the people's trust in the dressing room because the picture he painted of me was not very pleasant, and that's cool, man. You know, things happen in this business, and if, you know, you're young, you're influenced, yeah, by other people, by other circumstances. And it just got out of hand. It really affected me. And it was very hard for me in WCW because of that. And him and I have talked about it since then. Uh, in my eyes, we've buried the hatchet. But yeah, when I met Sting, he wasn't very friendly. I don't really think he liked me very much. I think that because I was younger, more relevant, and of course with the face paint and everything, he didn't appreciate that. Yeah, those kind of things didn't really help me too much. When I was tweeting away, I was watching WCW Uncensored 2000 and uh, just tweeted at you because you were taking on Fit Finley. It was like a Falls Count Anywhere match. It ended backstage with all the crowd going crazy and everything. You got the win. And then uh, later on in the show, uh, Lex Luger and Sting were in a lumberjack match. You attack Lex, helping Sting. And then, you know, you, guy, you two guys were left in the ring and he kind of, I guess gave you the quote-unquote rub a little bit, sort of, you know, you became the brothers of brothers in paint, but that didn't seem to last too long because you, you turned on him and I guess, I don't know, there seemed to be a lot of momentum for the Vampiro character or you at that time, but potentially, I guess, the change in management. I know it kind of went from Russo and Ed Ferrara to, uh, I think, uh, Sullivan and uh, J.J. Dillon back to like a Russo-Bischoff type of regime. Do you think the change in management hurt your character? I don't know. I don't think I was that important that I was in their, in their train of thought, you know? I was just a guy coming up in the business in the United States. I already, I'd already been in the business for like 15 years. I wasn't a new person. This was nothing that phased me. I've seen it all, you know? I just think that there was a lot of other people that had their ear and there was a lot of very high 
a lot of guys with a lot of very expensive contracts and and those guys kind of influenced things i don't think i was very important but i do think that the old guard was threatening that i was on my way up quite quickly because the fans were responding so sting certainly didn't want me as a partner so he changed that and then I became his enemy, and and the idea was for him to beat me and finish my character, but they gave me the victory, and that really, really did not sit well with him. I don't know, man. I don't know. I was supposed to win the title one night, but the guy who had it said he didn't want to drop it to me because I wasn't famous enough, and all kind of bullshit. It's kind of like, I don't want to be here anymore, you know what I mean? (laughs) It kind of sucks. And I guess towards in the WCW's uh, time before it got purchased by WWE, you were injured, uh, correct? When the whole uh, transaction of WCW went down. Yeah, I broke my neck. Were you, is it true that you were contacted by Bruce Pritchard, uh, basically telling you we're we're not interested in you, all the all the best new future endeavors, or was there any other reason given why your contract wasn't assumed? That's it. That's the reason. <laughs> <laughs> Again, do you think that's kind of a similar thing? I guess uh, the WCW guys that did get jobs, do you think potentially someone put a bad word in for you or they kind of just assumed a lot about you and the Vampiro character? Never thought about it, but I mean, I was on TV. I was certainly well-known. I mean, I had merchandise. I had a mask. I had T-shirts. I had dolls. I was one of the people that was working the most I was on all the tours, I was, you know, I was in main angles, I, I pinned Hulk Hogan, I pinned Ric Flair, so WWE definitely knew who I was, but I I got a message that I needed to call the WWE headquarters to, to speak with somebody about my my status of my contract, and his, his exact words were, we're not interested, creative doesn't think they can do anything with you because you don't have any charisma. And we think it's best that we part ways. That was the conversation. How did you take that? Were you just like, eh, okay, whatever? Or did that sort of, I guess, offend you at least? No, not at all. I started in All Japan the next week. So from WCW onwards, you uh, did a lot of stuff, uh, like you said, in Japan. And I guess most recently, uh, Lucha Underground. Um, I guess, is Lucha Underground, is that done and dusted for now? You're still the head of talent uh, for AAA? No, I'm, I'm done with that. I'm done with Lucha Underground. I'm working with a lot of groups, in the, uh, independent groups in the United States. I, I'm, I'm on the road myself on the indie circuit. I'm having a blast. Uh, I'm having fun for the first time. I've, I've got my own talk show on the LA Network. I've got two other movies that I'm doing. I'm doing another one. I'm doing a third movie uh, in July, August, September, September in Spain. I'm, I'm, I'm getting back into wrestling, teaching, commentating, producing, but only on the indie circuit because I, I, I just love being around the, the fans, you know what I'm saying, and being around the guys and getting in the ring and having that fun. I'm doing it for fun right now. I'm not Wrestling is for fun. Wrestling is not something I'm doing as a, for a living. It's something I've done for 38 years, and I, I'm not really ready to walk away from it because it's fun. It's interesting you mentioned movies as well, because I know in Mexico in your early days, you were known as the Canadian Vampire, and I'm hoping that's going to help. I was hoping you could play a quick game with me. It's going to be called Vampire Movie or Rock Band. Do you accept? Yeah, sure. All right, so essentially I'm just going to rattle out a couple, a few names, and you've got to say whether it's a vampire movie or it's a rock band. 
Number one, Dracula. Let me think. <laughs> I think that's my favorite book. Unfortunately, they made it into a movie. That's correct. All right, number two, The 69 Eyes. Great band. You're correct. That is a metal band from Finland. All right, number three, Vampire Weekend. Well, they're not not really a a uh, heavy metal band. They're more like a punk band, you know? Like uh, punk metal-ish. Yes. Uh, Vampire Weekend? I think that's a really shitty band, isn't it? (laughs) That's correct. I didn't think that you'd be a Vampire Weekend fan. No, fuck no. All right, number four. The Hunger. Yeah, The Hunger is a movie. The Hunger is a movie. It's uh, 1983 and actually starring David Bowie uh, and directed by uh, Tony Scott, uh, Ridley Scott's brother. Yep, and uh, it was great because he was preying on on victims in in the club scene in New York City in the 80s. So it was, of course I know what that is, man. (laughs) And finally, number five, Underworld. Oh, I thought you were going to say Fozzie. I was going to say, it's neither a movie or a band. It's a piece of shit. Um, it's, uh, it's, what, what, the Underworld? Which one? All of them are just, uh, which one? Well, it was actually a trick question. Uh, okay. A movie the, from 2003, I think, Kate Beckinsale, and of course, uh, the band Underworld, you know, Born Slippy and Underneath the Radar. No, don't know it. Oh, I reckon if you heard it, you would know it, Vamp, for sure. Uh, Kate Beckinsale. Is that her? She's fucking hot in that movie. Holy shit. Yeah, uh, back in 2003. So, um, yeah, might have to revisit that one perhaps. Okay. (laughs) That works for me. Uh, look, we've been sort of speaking on and off from uh, the past couple of days about uh, your interest in coming to Australia. It's a little bit difficult at this point in time, given the COVID-19 situation, but I guess when that all clears and we open up our borders and flights, etc., a uh, promo on the spot here, talking to promoters, talking to Australian fans about why Vampiro needs to be down under. I need to be there because I want to be. Uh, I've, it's, it's, it's a beautiful place, but here's why. And, and this is the honest-to-God truth, why I want to go. First, I don't even think anybody remembers me there, but if they did, that's awesome. If I came as a wrestler, I'd love to work my ass off and try to give the fans uh, a good show. I've got a new look, new, new get-up, new costume, so that's pretty intense. I don't know if I'd fit in, though, you know what I'm saying? Because I don't know what's going on, but if I did come, I wouldn't like to come just for a weekend I'd like to come and spend time so one it makes sense and you can create a storyline off it so the promoters can at least recoup their investment in bringing me over I'd love to do seminars and teach and help and give some advice if I could I'd really love to do my spoken word my spoken word is positive it's motivational it's ritual magic it deals with mental health Uh, it's funny it's just something I love from my heart but the reason I want to go to Australia more than anything is because I am very much into ritual magic. I'm a practitioner, I'm a teacher, I'm a student, and I really believe in everything that is ancient, alien-oriented. And there is so much history in Australia about things that I am into that I would love to be at the point of origin to do some of these rituals just for my own personal growth as, as a magician. And I think that your country is amazing. 
I think that I just would love to spend some time there. That would probably be the reason. As a fan, Vampire, I just want to, again, extend the thank you for talking to me today. This is the final plug after people listen to this. Uh, if they want to find more about Vampiro, how can they do so? Well, I think there's a, I got a couple things going on in social media, but the, the main one is the Facebook page. That's just Vampiro, and it's sort of it's verified. You know, it's just one word, Vampiro. Uh, I, I do a ton of stuff up there, but I'm, I'm so much more focused on helping people and the mental health stuff and just my own journey. I, I look at wrestling today. And the, and the immaturity of the talent and the backstage shit and, and how much that they believe their own hype. I, I, I fucking hate it. I don't want to be around that. That's why it's important for me to stay on the indie scene, visit other countries and be around the cool people in smaller arenas, you know? It's just more real. So, you know, if anybody wants to follow me and say hi, we can. It's, it's cool. I, I, I love meeting new people and, and hearing about things. You know, my time is coming gone to to you know, compete to be the top name in wrestling because I, I, it doesn't interest me. What interests me now is going to a show and seeing somebody who's excited to see you because you mean something to them and you can interact with them. So if I get an opportunity to do that with the cool people in Australia, because a lot of my friends, too, are there in bands. Some of the wrestlers tell me about it, but I just know for a fact that, you know, it would be so special. I mean, who in the hell would come from the middle of Canada in a small town 40 years into their career and get to go to a cool place like Australia and just fucking rock it, you know, and give the fans a good show and have a great experience. I mean, that that's what life is all about, is living, man. There's so many beautiful things to see there. I would love to have that opportunity. If it happens, I can't wait. If it doesn't, I love Australia, and I'm grateful for the for the love that you guys give me, and, and I just hope that, you know, we can continue. And uh, if this uh, doesn't work out like a, a solo topper to a gig, I mean, I think it was back in 2015, your brother's ICP, they uh, said that they were going to bring a gathering of the juggalos to Australia. Again, I guess if uh, COVID-19 clears up, uh, could that potentially be on the horizon? Uh, who knows? That would be, I, I never heard of that before, but that would be pretty cool. But I don't think it's needed. I mean... I, I kind of know what's going on in the wrestling world, you know, because I do so much teaching, I do so many seminars, and I'm, I, I produce so many shows that I know Australia, one, has amazing fans. They have a, a, an actual circuit. There's more than one promoter. And there's great, great talent. So, I mean, you don't need anything from the outside. You, you know what I mean? You've already got it. I, fuck, I wish I could be a part of it. It's just... So I don't know, you know, to, for ICP to bring over the whole JCW thing, I mean, it would be cool, but why? You know what I mean? You've already got the great talent there. I think that you guys need an applause. Like, the fans supporting the industry and the product is incredible. I, I, I wouldn't even insult them by saying, let's bring something over there and compete with what already exists. I just think that's wrong. Because you got something that's homegrown and made with love, I would I would say focus on growing that, you know. So fuck ICP and JCW. You're going to Australia. <laughs>
I mean, I'm a bit biased. I believe there's a bit of a hotbed of uh, wrestling talent here at the moment. Uh, some great companies producing talent and, I guess, quality matches. I'll do my best to sort of uh, put you in touch with some promoters and, I guess, just uh, overall promoters to see if we can get the ball rolling. But I guess until COVID-19 clears up, that will be something that we can work on. But Vampiro, thank you so much for taking the time to uh, speak with us. Thank you for inviting me, man, and, and forgive me for, for cussing so much. I didn't want to. Uh, this is my first interview in your country, uh, and I wish I would have been a little bit more formal, a little bit more cultured. Forgive me for the bad word. No, it's all good, and uh, I guess that's uh, the beauty of uh, pre-record. We can uh, edit it and post if need be. No, fuck it. Don't edit it, man. I'm not ashamed of anything, dude. It is what it is. It's, I am who I am. Sponsoring the show this week is Brendan and the team at Put a Sock on It. Yeah, that's what she said. Tell you what, satisfy your sock game with designer socks that are Australian designed and inspired. Be ready for any and every occasion. I'm talking about www.putasockonit.store. And uh, you go through that website right now. I mean, you can get Rick and Morty socks. You can get blazing it up socks yeah bamboo uh you can also get cold beer and tasty uh burgers as well i mean i'm a horror fan so i was very interested and excited to see i could get horror socks i've got a pinhead pair with me right now and my missus she absolutely loves dash hounds and guess what they have a pair of socks with dash hounds on them i think there's everything here for uh, any sock lover or people who just like quirky socks please do check them out it is put a sock on it that name again of the store is www.put a sock on it dot store they're also on instagram at socking underscore it yeah so s-o-c-k-i-n underscore it and of course on facebook at put a sock on it and for a limited time only if you use the code source 50 so that's source like tomato sauce so s-a-u-c-e 50 on any order of two pairs of socks or more, get 50% off until Saturday, the 4th of July. That is Put A Sock On It. Go check it out on their website, www.putasockonit.store.